Before we start our latest show, which is about the politics in Rambo 4, we'd just like to say a few words about a milestone we've achieved. A big milestone, Jeff. This is our 100th show. As we are still working virtually, I will open a bottle of champagne and think of the rest of the team as I drink it. Oh, cheers, Graham. Um, What started as an idea when, oddly enough, we were out for a drink has become almost a full-time job. We have been on film sets, interviewed actors, directors and composers. I've watched horror films and Jeff has moaned about the majority of films he's had to watch. Of course, none of this would have been possible without the team. So thanks go to fellow presenter and founder Neil, currently on a golf course near you. Big thanks to all the other co-presenters, including Phil, a.k.a. Phil the Bear, Darren, Declan, Elijah, Lucy, Emma, Hadil, Sam, Phil, a.k.a. Phil Stubbs, Warren, Steve, and anyone who's taken the time to be part of one of our shows, with a very special mention to Dave and Maz Reynolds. And also the team from BBC Radio Gloucestershire, Nikki and Joe, who have been extremely helpful and kind to us. When this COVID crisis is finally over and we go back to -to face-to-face recording, we will put out a special show about our journey so far with some unrepeatable behind-the-scenes stories. Until then, stay safe and enjoy this 100th show. So, are you going to include in that the story of... No, I'm not. I'm not. Welcome to the latest in our First Blood series. We are today going to be talking about First Blood Part 4, or as it's better known, Rambo. This film is set 20 years after the events of Rambo 3. John Rambo is living a quiet and very withdrawn life back in Thailand. A group of missionaries approach him asking if he could take them upriver to neighbouring country Burma, or as it's now known, Myanmar. Rambo refuses because of the sheer brutality of the military regime in that country. And he doesn't want to see the missionaries killed, essentially. Against his better judgment, he is persuaded to take the missionaries into that dangerous country. Later, when he learns they have been captured by the brutal State Peace and Development Council, the SPDC for short, he agrees to travel with a team of mercenaries to rescue them. However. The military are far more brutal than even Rambo realized. And this was the first Rambo film where neither author David Morrell nor composer Jerry Goldsmith were involved. Of the film, David Morrell said, I'm happy to report that overall I am pleased. This is the first time that the tone of my novel First Blood has been used in any of the movies. Rambo is angry, burnt out, and filled with self-disgust. I think this film deserves a solid three stars, end quote. As for Jerry Goldsmith, he died in 2004, and Brian Tyler replaced him, and he incorporated a lot of uh, Goldsmith's themes into the film. And this is also Sylvester Stallone's first time directing as well as co-scripting. And because the budget was reduced, they decided to up the gore level to make an impression. And so it has the highest body count in the series, 466. God. And probably for that reason, it was a box office hit. (laughs) undoubtedly (laughs) well since Rambo 3 the world had moved on quite a bit certainly by the time Rambo 
the film entered production. Quite rightly, the filmmakers wanted to avoid established and, dare I say, newsworthy conflicts this time around. That choice once again caught a political mood. The Iraq War of 2003 and the subsequent failure to find weapons of mass destruction raised serious question about the wars and support being raised in the West. The reason not to get involved in conflicts which were already bloody for both America and Britain were many, especially when there's no financial gain. The selection of Myanmar for the film was therefore an interesting one. Burma had been a military dictatorship since 1962, but the real crunch point had come with the 8888 uprising and its brutal suppression by the military forces. That was in 1988, which is also the year of the previous Rambo film. As part of this attempted coup, Aung San Suu Kyi was put under house arrest. So, you had a brutal military dictatorship, a high-profile political prisoner, and horrendous religious persecution. Of course, it'd be ignored by the world powers. <laughs> now, before we go into the discussion, I have to point out there are actually two versions of this film. There was the cinema release print that ran at about 90 minutes, and the director's cut, which later came out on home media, which runs about 10 minutes longer. The difference being the extra 10 minutes expands the character of Rambo and the moral dilemma that he finds himself in from the burnt-out character that he is. Now, I've seen both versions, and I know the shortcomings of the cinema version. He is a legend of war. A soldier without a country. You know his name. And you know what he's capable of. I know Neil and Graham have seen just that version. Elijah, which version did you watch? I think it's just the cinema version. Okay, so you guys all watched the shortened version. And what are your thoughts on that? Frankly, well, it is brutal. Yes, so cliched. It's difficult watching it with a 2020 vision. <laughs> you get oh, that. <laughs> wow. so I'm just, just, no, just going to chuckle for wow. the next couple of minutes. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's difficult because obviously when it came out, it would have been a lot better and obviously it made money and it would have been the blockbuster of the day. But now, no, first time I'd seen it and I, I wasn't impressed. I understand the background and all your both of you have been saying that there was a lot going on and there were genuine attempt to make a film that highlighted difficult issues in a largely ignored country but i'm sure there's a better film in there yeah i'd, I'd agree with that the more of these rambo films i watch the more i yearn for the very first rambo it was such a different film and with this one and the last one with the, where he's working with the Mujahideen, hey, I wonder how that worked out for him. It doesn't have that deep emotional connection that the first one had. It just becomes by-the-numbers action movie. When I was watching it, I thought, oh, here we are. Let's start off with the antagonist. Oh, and here's the innocent, the missionary doctor, Michael uh, Burnett. <clears throat> And and then here's Rambo and it, he meets the people and he takes them up the river. And then because he's, he uses his skill to save their lives, he has this fall from grace and then he's cast out into the wilderness. 
and then the inevitable happens and then we have a bit of a redemption uh, arc and then the bloody violence of the last uh, third act it's just what really and there's a bit of reflection at the end but for me it's got not a patch on the first movie and i want to come back to the third act as well later we'll on touch on that yeah we'll, i've we'll, got we'll some things to that. talk about there <clears throat> okay elijah i i like the movie a lot it's not one that i can watch um very often in fact the scene where the village gets attacked is is almost too hard for me to watch i think i skipped parts mm. of it last time i watched yeah. because it's just it's it's brutal i don't mind seeing the uh the villains you know get blown in half by a, a 50 cal but the innocence and the that's hard yeah and and i can understand that and i understand from the tone in your voice is part of that caused by you know people who have put themselves into that situation no, I do know people who are in those situations. In fact, the missionaries that we do have in those parts of the world, they're not even allowed to say where they're going. And sometimes we don't even know who they are. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Sure. Um, because if you, if they say it, you know, they're, they can't put it on social media. It's not anywhere. So they could go off and you just never hear from them again. Yeah. I mean, the mission would know it would eventually come out, but it's not easy. I've, I had missionaries even in Haiti who, who were, were shot or brutalized and one missionary had his daughter kidnapped not because he was a missionary but because she was in a school and ended up contacting the local mob boss or whatever the equivalent was there who also had a son in the school who wasn't kidnapped and within a day all the kids who had been kidnapped were found and the people who kidnapped them were dead wow so that scenario in the film where they are almost smuggled into a country regardless of who does the smuggling but they are, they are smuggled in. That is a real life situation. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's all kinds of ways that people will go get into countries, but uh, yeah, that's one of the ways Christians were, were, were supposed to be, you know, very much about obeying all laws, unless it tells us that we can't do something that we believe our faith demands of us. Okay. So smuggling like a Bible or something we'd, we'd be fine with, but smuggling other stuff in not so much. Okay. That's the point. I just want to, do a history check here on Christianity in Burma. And Christianity's always had a difficult time there since Adoniram Judson landed there in 1814 mm -hmm. and became its first spiritual leader. Since gaining independence in 48, the, the bringing of Christian religious texts and missionaries coming into the country has been banned. So before I go on with that history, that's a situation that some of the people you know find themselves then. You know, there are people there are Christians in the country and it's effectively a banned religion and they're trying to bring mm -hmm. uh, these people are trying to bring them what they want. Yeah. There's a lot of penalties for people uh, converting from one religion to another in a lot of these countries. So back in the day, Adoniram Judson's day, he actually pleaded with the King to not punish people that became Christians out of Buddhism. And uh, wow. that didn't go over very well. Adoniram Judson himself was an incredible, incredible man. He spent 37 years in Burma, and he went to the, back to the U.S. one time in that 37 years. That actually would make a really good film. I mean, there's there's stuff in there, as you're saying, that actually would be very much better, but having the whole Rambo crap in it as well didn't resonate with mm -hmm. me. I mean, it re obviously resonates with you on a, on a different level. All I can say is what I've seen. It is funny because you can tell they're, they're evangelical missionaries, so they're, they're Protestants. And yet they're wearing mm. a crucifix because 
the guys making it had no idea the difference. <laughs> no. It's a bit of product placement for the Catholic Church. Probably. <laughs> yes, indeed. They're probably and the, the Catholic Church does have a presence in, in Myanmar. They've had one for a long time, but the majority, but from what I understand, is Protestant. And that, I think, is what the Karen people are, aren't they? I think they're Protestant. Yeah. Um, yeah, they are. And that is the reason. I mean, what, what happened was Stallone basically went to the United Nations and said, what countries are being persecuted at the moment? And they went through. And they, yeah, it's an interesting one. It's like uh, Stephen King when he was doing Soul Survivor. Uh, no, Survivor type, with a short story. And he went to a doctor and said, if I had to resort to cannibalism of myself, how much could I actually eat? And, um, <laughs> Get out of my surgery right now, sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the doctor, of course, knew the answer. A doctor must have had a lot of questions. Oh, he had a heck of a lot of questions for him, I can assure you. Um, so, so Stallone wanders in, you know, where's the persecution? And the Karen people and their attempted genocide came up. Karen have tried to set up an independent state within Burma over the years, obviously always put down. And there are, at the time of researching this, over 2 million Karen displaced from their home country. And again... Mommy. The Karen are three primary religions, Buddhism, animist. I don't know what animist is. Mm. I, uh, Elijah, um, do you know what that? It's essentially uh, paganism. And Christianity, with Christianity being frowned upon within the country. There are ongoing genocides going on within uh, Myanmar. Muslim seems to be the target at the moment, but it changes yeah, with the, the weather. The I Rohingya think. people. Yes, it is just a disaster of a country, I think, really. And so... It's interesting, Neil, what Neil said earlier about, you know, this was made 12 years ago. Some things have changed, but in many ways it stayed the same. Mm. So we, we are confronted with the same sort of problems. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of desire on the world's part to, to fix any of the problems that are there. Because there's no financial gain. Exactly. Yeah. If they had oil, it'd be a different story. Yeah. I mean, the British did conquer Myanmar. I was trying not to say, oh, it's all our fault, but yeah. <laughs> it is. No, it is. It I'm is afraid our fault. it is, yeah. yeah. Afraid it Interestingly, is. Interestingly, yeah. well, I mean, Myanmar had problems before that with its monarchy, yeah. but Adoniram Judson was actually a prisoner for 20 something months during the war where he was tortured and beaten and half starved. And then after the war, he became a translator for the Burmese side so they could negotiate peace with the British. He wasn't uh, negotiating on behalf of the British, but on behalf of the Burmese. That's interesting. And then his died. His wife died a few months later. It wouldn't surprise you to learn that Rambo's banned in Myanmar. <laughs> <laughs> really? Uh, wow, apparently why? so. I, if you I, are am, caught, I am shocked. I know. Yeah. It, if you are caught selling a DVD or any such other paraphernalia of Rambo, you get seven-year prison sentence automatically. It's used by an opposition youth group called Generation Wave. And if you ever visit Rangoon, I wouldn't recommend it. But if you ever do, the sign you will see in almost every DVD rental shop is, we have no copies of Rambo 4. <laughs> <laughs> that's a badge of honor, I think. Yeah, After yeah. seeing Rambo 4, I can no. agree with them. Yeah, but and, and that's oh, it. You see. Actually, they probably have, you know, a couple hundred <laughs> copies in the back. Oh, yeah, yeah, you just got to yeah, ask the yeah. right guy. Yeah. And, and that's interesting because Graham and Neil are seeing this as, an action film that doesn't take the character of Rambo any further. But for the, the Karen Freedom Fighters, this is a landmark movie. They have a rallying cry of one of the classic lines of the film, 
live for nothing or die for something. And there isn't one of us that doesn't want to be someplace else. But this is what we do. Who we are. Live for nothing. Or die for something. You can get t-shirts of it, you know? And it's a rallying cry. <laughs> Seven years in prison if you wear that t-shirt, though. Uh, can you get that from the same DVD shop? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Stallone's called this one of the proudest moments I ever had on film, that, that this film is a badge of honour by a race of oppressed people. That's not raising the bra too high, though, is it? The bra, even. No. <laughs> the okay. bra, no. And speaking bra. of bras, Julie Bench, the co-star, was so moved. That is the worst segue ever. <laughs> So moved by the experience that she joined the U.S. campaign for Burma after filming. So it, it had an effect on people. Aren't you guys willing to change your opinion now? That no, this is actually no, quite an important uh, film. No, uh, it's, because it's a... I'm I'm sat in my Western, you know, in yeah, in, environment, imperialist, <laughs> yeah, safe European home. To, 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 safe European to quote, home, yeah, yeah. To quote Joe Strummer, looking at this and going, "This is a shockingly bad film." I would like it's to see a, a I would like to see a film about the Karen people and about their struggle and about their desire for independence and and religious freedom and all of those sort of things. I would like to see it, but what I don't want is it wrapped up in a Rambo film. There is a good film there, as I said. Exactly. It's, yeah, uh, I it's, agree. But it's not including Rambo. No. It's you, the Karen people in the end who rise up and actually save Rambo. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, they do. Without and, them coming back, they would have all died. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think Sylvester Stallone is anywhere in the third act at all. I think it's his mum. What? I think it's his mother. Because <laughs> once with the curly hair and the headband, it just looks like his mum. Yeah, it's the most weird transformation I have ever seen. I was really uncomfortable. Do you know his mom? Or <laughs> she, she used to do a lot of reality TV. I think she's passed away now. Yes, but exactly. she used to do a lot of reality TV shows. She was in Celebrity Big Brother, wasn't she? Yes, and it looked just like her. And I think she was his stand-in for the third act. I think so. it was just bizarre. What do you it's, think um, about the weaponry then? You know, that people, bodies were exploding all over the place with that weaponry. Comments on that? I talked with my uh, grandfather-in-law about it, and he, he, he loves the film for that reason. Because it shows people getting blown to bits by 50 cal. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's what would happen. But, yeah. I mean, he talks about stuff like guys, he, he knew guys in Vietnam that would cut the tips off their bullets. So that when it impacted, it didn't just go through, you know, just blew away chunks of their, their bodies. Oh, and that's just on M16, not a, not a 50 cal. So is that is, a dum bullet? dum dum bullets, yeah, I was about to say that. Essentially. They were never found with any of them. Oh, no, no you, yeah. you wouldn't no. find anybody they hit either. Well, <laughs> no. well you, you find what was left of them. Blasted yeah. all over trees and things. But the mentality for them wasn't, you know, we just want to blow these guys to bits. Is we want it to when we hit them, they die. So it didn't matter where it hit them; it would just blow bits off them, wouldn't it? Really, essentially, yeah. Well, it's a little bit like Hollow Point, but more hardcore. Yeah, uh, Hollow Point—that's a dum dum. Yeah, yeah. We have some of those. No, nope. they're considered home defense bullets because oh, they don't. Oh, no, uh, no. What are there's you no traveling. <laughs> Well, let's be fair, they're not hunting bullets, are they, Elijah? You hit an animal with that, you've got nothing left to eat. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> but the the damage that these do is more inside, so it doesn't typically go out. So it's not blowing them to bits. It's mostly going in. It's causing shrapnel. If you're using a, a gun for self-defense, your goal is to stop whoever's attacking you if you ever have to use it, and Lord willing, you never do. I like the knife thing last time in the throat, so I'd like this one as well. No, so, no. Yeah, <laughs> yes. But we are there to educate people. Yeah, so what Elijah is, is saying is that these are like an internal claymore mine. It goes into you and then it just blows everything up inside. Oh, holy As Dirty God. Harry said, there's nothing wrong oh. with shooting as long yeah. as the right people get <clears throat> shot. <Yeah. laughs> the goal is to stop the person coming after you. Yeah, well, I, st- I so. still believe all you need is a recording of a shot, a pump action shotgun being cocked, and then most people will run away. And oh no, you no, so You can just have to make the noise, do you? Yeah, yeah. The shot, yeah, shotguns are really good for home defense. You can get them to where they actually aren't. Well, <laughs> sort of. They're still lethal, but depending on your distance, you know. <laughs> I keep asking for my work on the police force to have a taser, but at the moment it's not forthcoming. But I'm sure it is that they they're considering me. So. <laughs> yeah, here in the okay. U.S., our cops all have assault rifles. It's crazy. Yeah, well, it looks, it looks weird when a British cop has got one. Yeah, we all. It do looks a weird if take. a British cop has a gun. Mm. Yeah. Well, they don't. They, don't. <laughs> they do. Some You'd be surprised do, yes. how many there are in Gloucestershire that have got that are licensed yeah. to carry firearms. I had them at the oh. uh, races, repeating thingy, strapped repeating to their chest, thingy. semi-automatic, ah, semi-automatic, right, okay. strapped, strapped to their chest. Yeah, semi-automatics actually encompass almost every single firearm except for <laughs> bolt action. Yeah, 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 yeah. An assault rifle. I mean, all all pistols, even revolvers, are essentially semi-automatic. The distinction in the name is just because they're they're hammer, um, so you can actually cock them back and shoot them that way. But hmm. you do you go hunting? I don't hunt. I actually don't like killing things. As surprising as that may sound. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not surprising. No, 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 no. I mean, look, people what? who go hunting, shoot the animal, and eat the animal. I haven't got a problem mm-hmm. with that at all. Here in Missouri, actually, our hunters finance the conservation department more than anything else. So Missouri is really big about conservation efforts, and it's mostly by the people who go out hunting. Keep their stocks up. Yeah, I mean they're Sorry, yeah. they're very careful that they only shoot what they're allowed to shoot yeah. during the yeah. times that they're allowed to do it. It's actually caused the wildlife here to to flourish quite a bit. We uh, have a problem with wild boars in a particular part of the area we live, and uh, they are giving people the license to go out and shoot some of them at the moment. Sorry, I misheard that. Is that just boring people? No, or do no, they have wild to be boars. wild as wild yeah. as well. That's the oh. forest, though. They have the probably <laughs> all got shotguns and all sorts over there, anyway. Anyway, they? yeah. <laughs> it's the the thirty to fifty wild hogs. The wild hogs yeah. is actually a problem all over the U.S. too, and those suckers are hard to kill. Yeah, but it's, very nice meat, I must say. I've had yeah, wild boar; it's delicious. Yeah, is it? It's good. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very uh, strong. There's a reason why the Normans forbid the um, the Normans from eating it, or the serfs whatnot from being able to kill and eat oh, boar and deer. The they liked it. Yeah, yeah. It's always the <laughs> French, man. The freaking French. The yeah. French, yeah. Well, that's where our language came from, isn't it? We get the uh, German, isn't like, it? A lot of our language, a lot of our uh, language. Anglos- yeah, things. Anglo-Saxon things like, and Gallic is more of an influence things, than 
French. But. Things things like cow from the German kua to beef from the French birth. Yeah, but all and the, thi- all the and things that's where you it all eat comes from. Yeah, all the things you can eat are either French or German. Uh, while the names of the animals are all old Celtic words, like so, it's cow, but you get boeuf or beef. But, but from that a comes cow. from the French sheep, and Saxon, sheep, the German and m- mutton, mouton, M- mouton. But it all, yeah. sheep also comes from the um, um, the German. Mm. It's as so much I, the German just, as Celtic. Well, there's going to be a, a similar vein with the Anglo-Saxon Germanic tribes, and then yeah. the Germanic tribes that settled in Germany. They're both descended from the same root word. No. Gently steering you back to Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> Via the dinner table, nuking animals and Rambo's Blowing mother. People. And, you know, the, the the link to what we've just been saying is, of course, the character of John Rambo is half Native American and half German. So there we go. There's your German connection. So <laughs> we've spoken a lot about the film and, and the setting up. It's, it's interesting to talk about the making of the film a little as well, because it had been 20 years since Rambo 3, which had sort of underperformed financially and was a bit of a joke, because obviously they released it when the Russians had pulled out of Afghanistan. <laughs> bit of a blunder there, Sly. He's in his but 60s in this film, isn't he? He's 74 now, so 73 so, yeah. now. So, yeah, he'd be 60. I mean, he looked great for 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's, and he directed it as well and co-wrote the script. So he had a lot of input in who was going to direct it. And he wasn't originally going to direct it. You know, it was down to, I think, Luke Besson, Richard Donner and James Mangold. Uh, a Mangold so, would have been interesting to see. <laughs> you beat yeah. me to it, Elijah. I was just going to go, what? Yeah. Besson but, would have been a wreck. <laughs> yeah. And Richard Donner would have said, where's the role for Mel? And, oh. <laughs> and um he would have just been yeah. killing people with a machete or something yes on bresson would have just had ramba going into the jungle smoking a gulois with just one arrow <laughs> and one bow <laughs> but whoever it was and nobody will say who that director was they did not get almost alone so they were fired and Stallone Ooh. took over and he brought in ted kotcheff the director of first blood who we, funnily enough, didn't see eye to eye with on that film. <laughs> but he used him as a technical consultant on this. A couple of interesting bits on casting. Vinnie Jones was approached to play the lead mercenary and turned it down. And Vinnie Jones said later it was the biggest mistake of his career. Wow. Uh, yes, yep. he would have been in this, great instead, in that. Instead, we had a hobbit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and of course he's a complete arsehole and he has to be British, doesn't he? Another cliche. (laughs) Is it a cliche though? Yes, (laughs) the uh, the baddies and the the horrible people are always British. You really are an uptight bastard, aren't you? You can drop the thousand yard stare. I've seen it all before, and I'm not impressed. The sympathetic British person, he cast him from Coronation Street. Oh, so, grief. Elijah, translation of that Coronation <laughs> Street is a horrible soap opera in the UK TV. Neil watches, none of us, rest of us do. Um, but uh, it's about life in a northern town. I think so, a guy biggest... from a soap opera came and operated a 50 caliber sniper. Yes, that's show. it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, a, that's living... a big jump in his career. <laughs> uh, after it's Coronation Street, curve. it's a big jump in it, really. But uh, I think the playing the best a dead guy in a zombie movie would be a jump. 
Oh. <laughs> the, the best bit of casting is the lead villain, played by an actor called Maung Maung Chin. He was a former Karen soldier who did escape over to Thailand, had no acting experience. He got cast as the main villain, and he used his knowledge to help Stallone with the script to show how these forces operated. And because of his starring role in that film, the Burmese government was so impressed, they imprisoned his whole family. Oh, good grief. Yeah. Reminds me, there was a lot of German actors who escaped Hitler's Germany. Many of them were Jewish back in the 30s, came to America or Britain and ended up with their whole lives playing um, Jewish commandants. Uh, sorry, German <laughs> yeah. commandant dance. Yeah. Yes. Like in um, was, Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes, yeah. All the yeah. Germans are played by, almost all the Germans are played by Jews. Actually, <laughs> half the cast is Jewish. Oh, dear. <laughs> Even the French guy had been a, uh, I believe he'd been in a concentration camp. Because he was Jewish yeah. and he had the tattoo. I think, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Their goal was to make the Germans look like idiots. Yeah. And yeah, largely succeeded, really, didn't they? Yeah, Made them great. look funny <laughs> instead. The one for me is an actor called Anton Differin, and you see him in all sorts of films like Where Eagles Dare, The Blue Max, Escape to Victory, and he's always a sympathetic Nazi. And he was a Jew who just got out of uh, Hitler's Germany before they would have put him in the camp. And he spent <laughs> his whole life... No, in one sense, you could say, well, I'm making a lot of money out of these people that would have killed me. Nice one. And the other is, why am I doing this? I find that very curious. There must be a story there somewhere. But yeah, um, Robert Clary is a, uh, he was a Jew that was in a concentration camp. He survived apparently by seeing and dancing. All right. And being good at entertaining the Nazis. Oh, gee. I mean, you survived however you could. And oh, he was gotcha. in Hogan's Heroes, was he? Yeah. yeah he's the Frenchman. Because Bob Crane got beaten to death, didn't he? The guy that played uh, Hogan. Yeah. Did he? He, uh, he had yeah. a terrible uh, terrible demise. <sighs> yeah, they made a film about it called Autofocus. Greg Kinnear played him. Yeah. And he just become, I think it was sex and drugs. He was just addicted. And when his TV career went downhill, he got involved with all sorts of shady characters. So. Back to Rambo then. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I don't envy your editing on this one, Graham. I'll um, just leave it all in. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, in for a penny. For people so, are gonna be wondering what the heck they're they're listening to. <laughs> yeah, well, people are isolated. They'll they'll think they imagined it. You know. Yeah, oh, I'm sure I dreamt that. Maybe we should mention that we were reviewing the film Rambo in, in case anybody's forgotten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so summing up on that, Neil, have we changed your mind? Have you now seen the error of your ways and the fact that, <laughs> that I'm right? No. There's a whole load of stuff that is, is good, but there's Rambo in it. And, of course, all but these bullets and everything. it's inspired the whole people. It's inspired freedom fighters to stand up and fight what's right in this world. <laughs> Right. Yeah, perhaps they like it. You didn't. No. No. Okay. Graham. I still say I'd like to see the other film, the film about, you know, the difficulties missionaries have in these countries, the suppression of the current people, all of those things I would like to see. I don't want to see another Rambo film, and I certainly don't want to see a Rambo film that's got such a 
sort of black and white view of geopolitical problems. Don't don't you think that the Myanmar situation is a black and white problem? No, it's not. It's complicated. It's very, no, it's very not. complicated. <laughs> okay, here uh, we go. Rambo defender. Most things in this world are complicated. Some things aren't. Yeah. They've got political people under house arrest. They've got... They're suppressing the Christians. They're suppressing the indigenous peoples in other areas. It's a melting pot of problems. And, you know, Rambo coming in and killing, what was it, 400 and odd people? 466. Six, thank you. <laughs> that statistic, somehow it's sticking with you. Uh, <laughs> killing 466 people in the most gruesome ways possible. I don't think is a a tool that brings people to the negotiating table and sorts out problems. I don't think it brings people to the negotiating table, but I think it shows people kind of a reality of what's there. I think there's use of violence when they're attacking the village and when they're putting people through the the, um, rice fields that are peppered with mines. Yeah, that was horrible. I think that's something important that people need to see, but it doesn't make for entertainment. No, no. Yeah, I mean that's that's the that's the problem for me though. It, Graham's right. It's uh, there's a much better film in there, um, but um, maybe you know less Rambo. But he was directing it. What, who's going to yeah. tell him to butt out of some of it? The other thing was I found that the the guy who played the uh, the the main villain was very very good. But I got that he was the villain. I didn't need all of the extra villainous stuff he did to work out that this guy is a bad man. Well, I think you know, it's, I again, think so. pointing out the oppression that happens there, like him yeah. raping the boy. Yes. That's a reality that the, the people face over there. Yeah. But, you know, do, do we really need to see all of it? It was a bit gratuitous, I thought. Then again, my, my view is clouded by the fact that I just, I didn't like what Rambo became because I thought the Rambo of the first film was the Rambo, and these are just exploitation of that. I, I disagree. This is the Rambo of the first film. He has that lost quality. He's finding himself again. I think he's finding himself there with a... In this film, he actually has a cause to fight again. He's not fighting for himself. Yeah. He's not fighting against some random people. He's actually fighting for others. He's fighting for... Yeah, he's fighting for for freedom. Again, like he did in Vietnam, but this time he's winning. Yeah, it's a rescue mission, which he completes the mission. It's in a country that, you know, in 2008... How many people honestly knew of Burma, Myanmar, and what its problems were? Wasn't such a big deal? Well, I think the Saffron Revolution was big, and I think we all know about that. But uh, I don't think – I didn't know about the um, the current people till I, uh, till I watched this. And that's, that is interesting. Yes, mm-hmm. I think he picked the right people, but going to the United Nations and asking them who's oppressed. Graham, would your average Brexiteer know of this conflict? <laughs> No, not a chance. They'd they'd think that this is an absolute, this is the geopolitical way you get problems resolved. You drop Rambo in all over the world and they sort it out. He would be machine gunning coronavirus as we speak. That would be their solution. That is the best way to treat coronavirus. (laughs) Shoot it. Shoot it. There we go. So I'll sum up. In my opinion, this is a very much a return to form for the series in the extended director's cut. And I do accept some of the comments that have been made that when you see the original cinema version, which I have seen, it does leave a lot out. 
But I'll go back to David Morrell, who said, the character of Rambo, now almost a broken man, is explored in detail. Preparing this piece and reading all about the impact it has had on Burma, although obviously not much has changed, makes it even more impressive that a film that can be seen as an exploitation film is embraced by the rebels fighting in that country. It does highlight a problem that is at best a midpoint news item, and it's probably for the first time in the series, a very clear-cut bad guy who remains the same to this day. Stallone gives his best performance as Rambo since First Blood, and while the film isn't quite up to that standard, it is far better than the other two that preceded it. Interestingly, and bear in mind all I said about a conflict no one gets involved with, it does take an American outsider to sort the Burma problem out. <laughs> Perhaps that was unintentionally ironic after all. <laughs> Absolutely. And after all these adventures around the world, Rambo ends with Rambo finally coming home to America. How that plays out is the subject of the last film, Rambo 5, that has its own things to say on America and politics and our foreign policy. Yep. And that is our final Rambo one, which we'll talk about next time. Because if you too hated this film, you wait <laughs> till you get to Last Blood. Uh, can well, we do Son of Rambo as well? No. <laughs> Damn. I know you like that film. That is a legit film, uh, Elijah. I know, I know, I've seen it. Uh, oh, you've seen it? Okay. Uh, yeah. 